we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, and today we are going to be talking about a new publication that we put out this week with an estimate, an up-to-date estimate, of the total illegal population. There have been estimates like this before. We haven't done our own. Homeland Security has done it, and there's a couple other research organizations that have done it, but they're all getting kind of long in the tooth. They're all pre-COVID. So we have in the studio today Stephen Camerata, our director of research, who co-authored our new report on our new estimate of the illegal population that's out this week at CIS.org. Thanks for coming on, Steve. And if you could just tell us sort of what's the punchline, and then we'll dig into it a little more after that. Well, sure, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Look, the bottom line is, as you indicated, most of the estimates out there for the illegal immigrant population, whether you're looking at Department of Homeland Security, Pew Research, the Center for Migration Studies, these things are anywhere from two to five years out of date. Pew hasn't put out a new estimate since 2017. DHS's most recent estimate is 2018. Part of the reason, by the way, that things are so out of date is they often are based on a very large survey that the Census Bureau collects called the American Community Survey. But unfortunately, that survey is not put out to the public until roughly a year, almost a year after it's collected. But there's another problem. In 2020, the survey broke down and they couldn't collect good data. And just to be clear for listeners, it's not a survey of illegal aliens. It's just sort of a general survey about everything. How much do you earn? Where do you live? All of that stuff. Right, right. And I'll explain a little bit more how you use a survey like that to estimate illegal immigration. But that survey is very good in many ways. It's large. It produces what they call robust statistical estimates, but it's out of date and the most recent year they couldn't even use. So we decided to take a different approach. This is our first attempt to estimate the illegal population using what's called the monthly current population survey, or just generally known as the household survey. It's collected by the Census Bureau, but it's used mainly by the Bureau of Labor Statistics to estimate unemployment. It's about 60,000 households. They ask many, many questions, hundreds of questions, including where you were born, if you're a citizen of the United States, When did you come to the United States? A lot of things like that. And so it is possible to use this data to estimate the illegal immigrant population, but you're going to have a bigger margin of error than if you had used the other survey. Well, let me give you what the highlights are, and then we'll talk a little bit more about how we can come up with these numbers, and then we can maybe do a little Q&A. Look, we estimate that in January of 2022, the illegal immigrant population stood at about 11.4 million, which is about a 1.1 million increase over January of 2021 when President Biden took office and the ongoing border surge began. Our preliminary estimate for February is about 11.5 billion. But, and this is an important point, our estimates for January and February of 11.4 and 11.5 
are really no different than our estimate for January 2019 when the number stood at about 11.5 million. What seems to have happened is the number declined dramatically between 2019 and 2021 and then rebounded dramatically. It was all the way down to about 10.2 million in 2021 and now it's all the way back up. So the decline seems to have been caused by the things you would expect. The curtailment of illegal immigration at the border due to certain policies adopted. Legal immigration was cut, including the number of temporary visitors who are allowed into the country. And that meant that fewer people could overstay their visas. And at the same time, some people went home. So the number declines a lot. Now, these numbers are really important because the size and growth of the illegal immigrant population, unlike, say, border apprehension numbers, it's the size of the population living here that ultimately determines their impact on American society, whether it's the labor market, schools, hospitals, American taxpayers. It's how many are actually living here, not a statistic like how many people get apprehended. Yeah. Now, just to be clear on yeah. that apprehension number, which yeah. is what gets reported all the time, a lot of those people, some of them are the same people being apprehended several times. Some of them are returned. And so that's like a flow number, they say, versus a stock number. In other words, that's the coming and going as opposed to the actual pool of people who are here, which is what you estimated at 11.4 million roughly in January. Right, exactly. Let me run through some other numbers that I do think are important. We can come back to them or not, but I think the listeners will find them interesting. The same monthly current population survey shows that by February of 2022, the total foreign-born, and that's the term the government uses to mean all the legal immigrants and all the illegal immigrants together that get picked up in this data, was at 46.7 million, and that's a new record high. And the growth of the total foreign-born population since January, when Biden took office, January of 2021, to February of 2022, that total growth in that foreign-born population was about 1.7 million. Now, to place that 1.7 million growth in the total foreign-born into context, in the 48 months of the Trump presidency, the total foreign-born, legal and illegal, grew by about a million and a half compared to the Biden presidency in just 13 months, growing 1.7 million. Sometimes people say, look, it doesn't matter who's president. But when it comes to the flow of immigration into the United States, it certainly does. And what these estimates also mean that if we look at the total foreign-born, about two-thirds, roughly speaking, is due to illegal immigration. Now, what's driving these numbers? Let's talk about the growth in the illegal immigrant population. Look, we all know about the large surge at the border, and that's being caused by several factors. Probably the uptick in the economy plays some role after the bottoming out during COVID. But it's also being caused by the perception based on his campaign promises that President Biden would curtail immigration enforcement. And not just the promise, the actual following through of curtailing right. The administration's decision, for example, to suspend most interior enforcement. We have some stuff on this uh, at our website. And that was also a subject of last week's podcast. People can go back and listen to it if you missed it. Right. So the suspension of most interior enforcement and the decline in 2020 and the further fall off in 2021 of removals and enforcement and other enforcement operations resulting from these promises and new policies almost certainly caused fewer illegal immigrants to leave and more to come, knowing that they would not face deportation and would be released if caught at the border. 
This includes also things like the ending or curtailing of the Remain in Mexico policy for many asylum applicants, the scaling back of Title 42 expulsions, particularly in more recent months, and the continuing effort by the White House and some in Congress to pass legislation providing legal status to illegal immigrants have all likely caused this dramatic growth in the illegal immigrant population by encouraging more people to come and those already here to go home. And those already here most definitely do go home in significant numbers. There's a lot of churn in the illegal population, and that can be affected by the president's policies and positions. Now, so how do we come up with these numbers? I won't go into much detail, but I'll just say this. We follow the approach used by the Department of Homeland Security for its estimates of illegal immigrants. And first, basically, we take the administrative data that's out there on legal immigrants. We estimate how many of them live in the country. And then we move from there and we then subtract that number from the total foreign-born population and that leftover, which is, you know, roughly around 10 or 11 million, we then adjust for what we think is the undercount. And we don't think the undercount's that large. I'll get to that subject in a moment. But that's essentially it. This is sometimes referred to as a residual approach. You estimate the legal population, subtract it from the total foreign-born in the data, and the residual, the leftover, is a baseline estimate for illegals that then you can adjust upwards. Now, as I say, we don't adjust it up that much. We don't think it's that large. So now what you're probably wondering is, well, how do you know that? How do you know how many people are missed? And many of you may be aware that there are some estimates that the illegal population is much larger. And the basis of those estimates has to be that what we see in the government data for the current population survey or that other survey I mentioned at the outset, the American Community Survey in years back, the idea is those surveys must be missing lots of people. There was a Yale study that the illegal population a few years back was 22 million. Again, that's about twice what the government and other researchers are estimating. It's about twice what we're estimating here. So could that be right? Well, look, when you're talking about illegal immigration, you could never be sure, right? It's always possible that we are missing many more people than we think. But there is some limited research. Just to give you some examples, in both 2000, well, in 2000, 2010, and now in 2020, every census, which is a way of getting at the total population, that's part of the point of the census, and they go back and they do what they sometimes refer to as post-enumeration work. And that work is designed to select certain neighborhoods and go back in and see how many people they miss and to select people at random and then re-interview the household, go back to the household and see how many people they missed. And that research does not show that the census is missing 10 million illegal aliens, that it's just missing enormous numbers of people. We have other ways of knowing whether the government data is any good too by comparing it with some harder numbers. The vast majority, for example, of all births in the United States are recorded, even births to illegal immigrants. As far as we can tell, illegal immigrants are well aware that their children born in the United States are automatically American citizens, and they very much want official birth certificates for their children. And when we look at that data, and then we look at survey data that asks the public, have you had a child in the last year? They're not completely out of whack. They're basically what you would expect. In other words, if there were 10 million more illegal immigrants in the United States, surely they would be having 100, 300,000 more children. We don't see that in the data. 
Another place we can look to say is, look, what do public schools show in terms of enrollment? They have pretty good records on this. They need to for federal funding and so forth. And if we look again at survey data that asks people, do you have a school-age child? Is that child enrolled in public school? When we compare those two numbers, it still, again, doesn't show a huge difference. What that boils down to is that this is an estimate. Your uh, February estimate of 11.5 million illegal immigrants could be off. But, I mean, in fact, it's almost certainly not the exact number, but it's not double that. It's not 22 million. It's not 30 million. I mean, it could be 11. It could, I mean, it could be 12. It could be 13, something like that conceivably. But what you're saying is there just doesn't seem to be any way to say when you look at the other data that there's actually twice as many illegals as we're counting. Yes, I think that's a fair. There's some other ways you can look at it. I won't go into it. Well, let me give you just one example. When they announced the DACA program a number of years back, which basically gives an administrative amnesty to people who arrived in the United States at young ages during the Obama administration, and then it's been carried through even till now, there were estimates before people started to come forward of about how many people were eligible. And those estimates were generally right. They were actually a little too high. And that's probably because a lot of people didn't want to necessarily sign up for the thing. But what they weren't is way too low. And so that suggests that our ability to estimate the population is probably pretty close to the mark. But let me be clear, there is error. There's both statistical error, which we do report, but then there's non-statistical error here. And that's assuming that we measured each of the populations correctly, and we got the undercount right. What is non-statistical error? Yeah, so non-statistical error is, are we right about the assumptions we make about, say, the legal immigrant population in the United States? Do they have this death rate? Do they have this out-migration rate? What is their undercount rate in the data? And if those things are off, then that's a source of error too, and they're not exactly perfect, let's be clear. No estimate of the illegal immigrant population is perfect. The statistical error, if you use a 90% confidence interval, is about plus or minus 270,000. So think of it as about 300,000. So if we say it's 11.5, the statistical error is plus or minus 300,000, roughly speaking. And so there's some error as well that's not statistical. But I think no matter what assumptions you make, one of the clear findings is that the illegal immigrant population must have declined dramatically during COVID between 2019 and 2021. And then in the last year, it has rebounded spectacularly in the first year of the Biden administration. And that's actually something I wanted to ask about, since what you're saying is that your new estimate of the illegal population is about what it was pre-COVID. And so what you're saying is that it went down and now it's shot back up under President Biden. But, and to play devil's advocate here, how do we know that it just didn't stay the same the whole time and we became much, much less able to count them because of COVID? And now what we're seeing is, well, it's just the same illegal population that was there before COVID. Uh, look, anything's possible, but let me tell you why I don't think that's right. I'll give you two answers. One is that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, for whom the Census Bureau collects the data, has tried to look at it. It's looked at the response rates in the survey, and they've basically issued public statements saying the data is still good. This data is still representative, though the margin of error probably has gone up during COVID, particularly 2020. It's one reason we don't even estimate the number in 2020. But by 2022, it appears that they're not having as much trouble collecting the data, and that as far as they report, 
it's still sound. There's another way of sort of thinking about this question. We can look at populations within this data without doing any fancy calculations, without trying to pick out illegal immigrants or anything like that. We can look at populations in this data that have a lot of overlap with the illegal immigrant population, like the non-citizen population that's come in the last 40 years. And you can do just a little bit more tweaking. And if you look at that population, that's the non-citizens in the United States who've come in the last 40 years, it shows a big decline through 2021 and then a big rebound after 21 to 2022. If you focus in on non-citizen Hispanics who came in the last 40 years, again, you see the same pattern. So these trends that should be highly correlated with illegal immigration also show the same pattern that we find here. So you had said that to come up with this estimate, you used the DHS method, which is their estimate is out of date now, but it's sort of the similar thing. There are other organizations you'd mentioned, the Pew Research Center, also the Center for Migration Studies have done estimates, which have been similar to the DHS estimate. It's not like they were wildly different, but without getting too you know, much into statistics uh, 101, what do they do significantly differently from what you did in this study that we released this week? Yeah. Well, in the case of CMS, they do something like this, but they have a whole series of things, steps that they take. They go in and look at, in their case, it's the American Community Survey, and try to exclude the illegal immigrant population specifically based on their characteristics rather than some broad general number. Uh, I see. We do a little bit of that here. Like, for example, when we look at the recently or the people who've come in the last 40 years, we do something like we exclude Cubans. Without a long explanation, it's very hard for any Cuban who entered prior to 2017 to be an illegal immigrant in the United States. Because they get automatic status. Right. uh, They did anyway. That's changed more. So in the more recent cohort arrivals, you have to allow for the potential for them. But that would be an example. Well, you can do a lot of that in the ACS. You could look at all the people who say that they're veterans. You could look at all the people who say that they're getting Social Security and exclude them. And just assume that they're legal. Right. Yes. When it comes to citizenship, actually, among the farm born, there is some debate there, which I won't go into. There are some people... And that's why we don't deal with that citizenship. We just deal with foreign-born. But it's clear that some people who are not citizens claim to be citizens. If you exclude the citizen population from your analysis, in our view, in my view, I think you're going to miss some illegal immigrants. Partly what's happening is not so much the illegal immigrants are lying. It's that the illegal immigrants are confused about the difference between legal status. And that's what these people are. They're legal immigrants who report that they're citizens. And probably what it is, I suspect, and I'm not sure if you can find this in the data, I suspect it's people, especially Mexicans, who were illegal immigrants. And then when they got legalized, one, they finagled legal status, they kind of just equated that with becoming a citizen. And so I think the confusion part, in other words, it's not a George Soros plot to affect elections or anything like that. It's just, it is just confusion. It is. It almost certainly is confusion. Yeah, look, there might be some people who are lying. You can always have some of that. But yes, it mostly seems to be in the Mexican-born population. And how would we know that? Well, we know how many people have naturalized. You can make some assumptions about how many people leave. And there's just too many people who are born in Mexico, not U.S. citizens at birth, but who claim to be citizens now, claim to be naturalized citizens relative to the administrative data. So that's how you know that some people are overstating citizenship. Right. Good. So you had said in the report 
again, to emphasize, we published this this week on CIS.org called Estimating the Illegal Population Using the Current Population Survey. And our estimate for February was roughly 11.5 million. Is there further sort of refinements to do to either in coming up with new numbers or in refining the existing number as more information comes out from the government? I think so. For example, the estimate for February just takes the existing administrative data and carries it forward. We don't have data through February to know how many legal immigrants there are. But if you assume that the pace of legal immigration roughly matched the preceding months, was matched in February, and based on the limited data that we have, then that's why we come up with a February number. We don't have all the data. So let me give you another example where we have issues. We know how many legal immigrants, new legal immigrants, new green card holders arrived for most of last year. But in the latter part of last year, we don't. And that's because the government hasn't published that information. But we do have the number of new permanent visas issued overseas. Mm -hmm. So those people only have a few months in which they are allowed to enter. And as all the evidence we have is people just generally, when they get their visas, once they're issued, they come, probably because they really want them. And there's so much pent up demand as a result of COVID to come. It's extraordinarily likely that pretty much all those new permanent residency visas, the green cards that they gave at American consulates overseas, resulted in the person arriving pretty quickly. But that is an assumption that we're making, and that may not be true in every case. So down the road, we might need to do that. There's some other data that we don't have, which is all the people who get asylum. That data, there seems to be some problems with it. We use it as it is published, but I'm guessing that's going to have to be uh, corrected. It's not a huge number. None of these things should make a huge difference or a very large difference, but they're just some of the areas, especially towards the end of our estimates, you know, that we have to think about. Do you have any sense about whether the government is going to be coming up with publishing its own estimate? or even whether any other of the research organizations that are in this area are going to be yeah. publishing their own estimates? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, DHS will almost certainly put out an estimate for 2019 because that data is available. It's a large bureaucracy. It takes them a while to do stuff. But after 2019, everybody else has been reliant on the American Community Survey. So unless they figure out some way to readjust the 2020 American Community Survey, that one I mentioned that was off, that the government said has got some problems, you can't really use it. Somebody could come along and reweight that and rejigger that and somehow get that to work. Or they could go over to using the monthly data, which they haven't been doing. There's a couple other things they might try. I don't know. But at this point, we think that really the only way to produce up-to-date estimates is the current population survey. And that's going to be true until the end of this year or towards the end of this year when the 2021 American Community Survey comes out. But like anything else, by then it'll be almost a year out of date and it's actually controlled to a July 1st date. So if you come out with a number by December of this year, it'll already be a year and a half out of date and everything that's happened since then you won't be able to account for. So I think that at this point, again, it looks like the current population survey is the only game in town. When that American Community Survey data comes out with all of that lag time, are you planning or would there be any use in sort of using it to estimate, yeah. to basically reality check this estimate using a different data source? You see what I mean? Yeah, that might, might well be a good idea, putting aside the date question. However, 
We have to wait to see what the government says about how COVID-19 interrupted. Affected the, tw- the yeah, 2021, 2021 survey, yeah. which is basically just to make it clear, this is a monthly survey. That's kind of an annual mini census. Not, it's not a census, but it's a much, it's sort of the Census Bureau's attempt to do a mini census every year, kind of, right? Is that a right. fair Right, it's way over to- 3 million households. Right. This right. is 60,000 households. That survey is collected every month, and then everything is controlled back. The American Mutual Survey is controlled back to July 1st. And what happened in 2020 is there were just some months where the data right. looked completely different sure. month to month, and they didn't know how to fix it. They just couldn't get it to line up. There are lots of ways they could have tried. And apparently, I read the paper. They don't say everything they tried to do. But but it's understandable. The economy shut down, everything, all of that stuff. I mean, it's right. there's no surprise. It would be surprising if they did stand by that data. Well, they did. St- here's one thing to keep in mind that's different in the current population survey. Basically, you're in the survey for a while, then you rotate out, and then you come back. So it's also a survey in which most, not every person, but most of the people have an initial, their initial contact with the government is actually an in-person interview. And then you get the phone calls after that to see how you're doing, like whether you're employed in the following month and the month after that, and so forth. So it's a survey in which a relationship is established with the government who's actually come to your house. So we might expect, and that does seem to be what happened, at least in 2020, it holds up better than a survey is mostly something they mail out to people and expect them to mail back. So that big 3 million American community survey is just, nobody calls you, it's all just mail. Well, no, it's a complex methodology. If you don't mail yours back, then they select a subpopulation to get a phone call, and usually they can't get a decent call because they don't know your number. And so they select a subpopulation to go out and knock on your door. Right. And, and, and it's very professional, I would say, as a participant in that survey a few years back, the ex-military man who came to my door, I purposely did not send my survey back <laughs> because I wanted to see if I could get an interview. And, I, you know, and he gave me all the questions. I thought it was it's very professional, very non-political, just straightforward. So that's how it works. So a large part of the, most people just mail theirs back. But then there's the in-person Whereas the well. current population survey that you base this on, everybody gets, Virtually everyone gets it, an it speaks yeah. to somebody in the government. Yeah, interesting. And just as a last question about the Census Bureau's professionalism, you know, there are some people who, you know, not just immigration skeptics, but just generally people who are skeptical of uh, our institutions, who are skeptical of the Census Bureau as well. As you, and you've worked with them, not at the Census Bureau, but have some real familiarity, is your sense that it really is basically a professional organization just trying to get the numbers? I would say that's about, yeah, I mean, are there a lot of Republicans that work at the Census Bureau? There are a bunch, but no, I mean, it's obviously like most of the federal bureaucracy does tend to be much more Democratic than Republican, but are they professionals trying to get good numbers? Absolutely. There are some circumstances where I think politics intrudes, but not here. Not when it comes to sort of trying to get an accurate survey. There, I think they're just professionals trying to do the best they can. So thanks, Steve, for telling us about this new estimate of the illegal population that we published this week, just to reiterate our estimate for February of this year. So last month was about 11.5 million of the illegal population. It seems to have gone down during COVID and then bounced right back up. The report's online for anybody who really wants to dig into it. Was there a last point, Steve, you wanted to make? Yeah, just keep this in mind. Basically, the evidence we have 
is, remember, this isn't static. As far as we can tell, based on border apprehensions and the trends in the data right up to the end, the illegal population is going to be growing dramatically for the rest of this year and for the foreseeable future, unless there's a change in policy. So uh, as you're listening to this, it's already higher than the estimate that we just published this week. Thanks, Steve, and we'll have you back for future reports. Thanks for having me. And finally, today, March 31st, is Cesar Chavez's birthday. It's 95th birthday. That's a state holiday in California and some other places. And it's actually also National Border Control Day. And the reason is Cesar Chavez, as a central element of his labor activism, of his activism uh, on behalf of and to better the lot of workers, was an immigration restrictionist. He was pretty hawkish when it comes to border control. The left that has adopted him as kind of a mascot dances around this and comes up with all kinds of explanations, but there's just no getting around it. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. For decades, he was critical of both guest worker programs and most especially lax enforcement of immigration laws at the border. In fact, he said openly that the only reason they resorted to the boycott campaigns, some of you, um, some older listeners will remember there were efforts to boycott grapes and boycott lettuce, which he used as a kind of an economic pressure on growers, on farmers to settle and sign contracts with his union, the United Farm Workers. The only reason he did the boycotts was because the immigration service wasn't enforcing immigration laws and the farm interests were just bringing up illegal immigrants from Mexico to replace the American workers that Cesar Chavez was spokesman for. If you go to nationalbordercontrolday.com, there's a website that lays out through a number of articles I've written and others, and also some congressional resolutions that were introduced, obviously unsuccessfully, about Chavez and about making his holiday a celebration of border control. And today is, again, National Border Control Day. And one of the things that struck me, I have a piece in National Review that went up today on this. And what I did was look at how the situation Chavez faced was similar and how it was different from what we're facing today. In a 1974 interview, a clip of which we use in the intro to this podcast, he said, there's an awful lot of illegals coming in. They're coming in by the thousands. It's just unbelievable. See, they're coming in with the consent of the immigration service. And the parts that are the same, of course, are that They are, in fact, coming in by the thousands. In fact, it's so unbelievable, it's dwarfing anything Chavez could even have imagined. Obama's DHS secretary, Jay Johnson, who was a serious guy, I mean, he's a Democrat and a liberal and all that, but he took his responsibility seriously. And even after he left office, he has commented on the current border crisis in an honest way, not just as a flack for his party. And he had said, on TV, something to the effect that even 1,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions at the border per day 
overwhelms the system. And what we're facing now is about 5,000 people illegally crossing the border each day. Over the past several months, that's what it's averaged as. Well, if the administration, or really I have to say when this administration lifts the public health order, it's called Title 42 in shorthand, that enables a border patrol to just bounce people back across the border with no hearing or anything. If they lift that, because it's a COVID-related thing and COVID's, you know, it's going away, the Homeland Security Department today is preparing for up to 18,000 illegal alien apprehensions each day. Now, it may not be that bad, but they're worried that it could be that bad. That's something that Again, it's, they're coming in by the thousands. It's just unbelievable, as Chavez said, but it's even more unbelievable than anything he could have imagined. And another thing, of course, that's similar to the situation that Chavez faced is that they are coming in with the consent of the Immigration Service, maybe more accurately with the consent of the political masters of the Immigration Service, the actual career people in ICE and CBP and the other agencies that deal with immigration are appalled at what's going on. But the people the Biden administration has put in charge are, in fact, responsible for what's happened. And Biden himself is the chief person responsible, issuing what amounts to an invitation to mass illegal immigration. So that's what's similar to the situations that Chavez faced. What's different is why this is happening or who is the most important actors and what are their motivations. Because what Chavez was facing was weak border enforcement at the behest of cheap labor interests. In other words, it was a purely an economic thing. And there's some of that, obviously, even today. The real muscle behind anti-borders activism, or at least the financing behind it, still comes from cheap labor business. But that's not what's going on in the Biden administration. And many people on the right who are against borders are in it for the cheap labor. People on the left are in it for the cheap votes. And this is something a lot of people on the right have been saying more recently, too, specifically with regard to the Biden administration, that they're doing this on purpose because they want to import future Democratic voters. I don't think that's correct. I'm not saying that they don't believe that or that isn't part of their calculation, but I think it's actually more serious than that. And the reason this administration is allowing mass illegal immigration in a way that Cesar Chavez faced, but it's a different motivation. And the motivation is they don't believe the borders of the United States are legitimate. They do not believe that the American people have the right to limit the number of people who come into the U.S. from abroad. And that kind of quasi-religious principle is much harder to overcome if business interests are squeezing the political masters of the immigration service to let more illegal aliens in, that's at least can be countered through economic means. This is what Chavez was trying to do with his strikes and boycotts and what have you, and he had a little bit of success. But when you're facing people who reject the very legitimacy of America's borders, that's a lot harder to affect. That becomes a political question rather than just applying economic pressure. And that's why I think immigration is going to be a big issue in future elections. 
and it's more than just elections. It's going to be a big issue going forward in our politics because we now have two sides who don't agree on whether there should even be immigration law. In other words, it's no longer a debate, as it used to be, between people who wanted somewhat higher levels and somewhat lower levels of immigration, people who disagreed about what means should be used to enforce immigration law. But everybody agreed there should be an immigration law and it should be enforced. We're now at a place that has gone beyond anything Cesar Chavez faced, where the border itself is viewed as illegitimate in itself by one side in this debate. And that really just underlines the importance of promoting National Border Control Day in order to expose and hopefully defeat this quasi-religious crusade to oppose and weaken and ultimately erase national borders and America's borders in particular. And again, the website is nationalbordercontrolday.com. And I don't have any good suggestions for how to celebrate it, but if anybody does, please let me know at msk at cis.org or comment at any of the podcast platforms that you get this program on. And I hope that you'll be tuning in next week.